We would certainly like to welcome you to another edition of The Jazz Show on CITR-FM 101.9 or on your computer, www.citr.ca. My name is Gavin Walker, and this what a beautiful day today. Oh, it's too bad that it's uh, actually going to end, but uh, oh, it was uh, a real treat. Uh, those of, I'm sure that's, uh, there were a lot of people... Uh, escaping uh, <laughs> during their lunch hours if they were working. or uh, And if you weren't working, uh, you were lucky. Yeah. Having Monday off uh, on a day like today, oh, gorgeous. Yes, and uh, of course, um, we have a lot to do this evening and a lot of great music to play for you including our jazz feature, which, of course, this being the month of March, we are doing a feature on the music of Thelonious Monk, the great musical icon, iconoclast, and someone who really made his mark on 20th century jazz music, Thelonious Sphere Monk. I selected four albums to be featured on the four Mondays of March. And last week, of course, we had two uh, early recording sessions by Mr. Monk, one for his last one for Blue Note Records, which was his uh, label for, uh, from 1947 when he made his first recordings under his own name until uh, May of 1952. And then he signed with Prestige Records, and we featured a wonderful session that he did for Prestige, maybe one of his best quintet sessions uh, for that label. So, which leads to tonight's jazz feature. Now, Thelonious was not particularly happy with his contract with Prestige Records. Um... Unfortunately, as I mentioned last week, Thelonious's records did not sell. They didn't sell for Blue Note either, and they were widely criticized as being um, just simply not part of the mainstream of jazz and not very important and the product of uh, uh, an eccentric, uh, primitive um, musical mind and, of course, uh, all this kind of stuff. Thelonious did have his supporters, but uh, his detractors were much more, unfortunately, in those years. Anyway, uh, the story continues. Um, Thelonious did his last recording session for Prestige at the tail end of 1954. And, of course, that's our Christmas feature that we do. That was the uh, Miles Davis All-Star session with Thelonious... Um, Mill Jackson, Percy Heath, and Kenny Clark. 
the famous Bags Groove session. We do that every, um, the last show before Christmas because that music was recorded on Christmas Eve of 1954. And that was his final recording for Prestige Records. However, now he was a free agent, but not quite. A brand new label had started up by a gentleman by the name of Oren Keepnews. Oren Keepnews and his partner Bill Grower started Riverside Records, an independent jazz label, um, and they were looking for new musicians to sign. Now, Oren Keepnews was a journalist before he became a record producer, and a very good one, too, and he was one of the very first to um, interview with any kind of seriousness Thelonious Monk. And they knew one another, and uh, Monk had a certain amount of respect for um, Mr. Keep News. And so it was interesting that Oren contacted Thelonious. He had heard that he was free of his prestige contract, and Thelonious said, I am. And, of course, when, when Oren Keep News uh, uh, further uh, delved into the uh, small print of the contract, it turned out that Monk wasn't quite free of that contract. Presti- he owed Prestige Records the princely sum of $108.24. That had to be paid before he could legally be free. And the reason for that money, of course, is Monk's records didn't sell any <laughs> uh very few recordings. Nobody bought them, and they weren't heard on the radio. And so the, this cost, this $108.24, was uh, ostensibly for production costs, packaging, um, photographs, and liner notes, something like that, and incidentals, quote, unquote. Anyway, Mr. Keep News paid off the $108.24, and Thelonious was signed to Riverside Records. Now, Keep News knew what he was up against. Um, Thelonious is not exactly an easy artist. You can't simply say, okay, we're going to record you. Um, (laughs) It's a little more complicated than that. But the interesting thing is, is that Monk had been burned many times, and he was very suspicious of people, but he liked and respected Mr. Keep News. So the idea was to, um, the first recording that was going to be made, uh, Thelonious agreed to do a trio session without horns, just piano, and his own choice of a bassist and drummer. And Keep News came up with this idea of presenting Thelonious on his new label, suggested that he do an album of um, famous composers. In other words, an album of maybe Gershwin tunes or tunes by uh, Harold Arlen or tunes by Cole Porter, any of the famous uh, American composers. Monk was silent on that. He didn't say anything. And Keep News was trying to rack his brain to, because uh, he wanted to present Monk in a more, um, not a compromising way, but some way that would 
perhaps get him some airplay and make his music a little more accessible to the public. And if he felt, uh, Keep News felt that if Thelonious played familiar tunes rather than his own compositions, this might be a really good entry point. And of course, Keep News was no dummy. He was smart. But Monk basically said nothing. The trio, he was okay with that. Keep News was racking his brain. Uh, well, uh, what am I going to do here? Thelonious, how about doing a recording of Duke Ellington's compositions? Monk lit up, gave him a big smile, and said, Yeah, that's cool. I'll do that. So this is how this particular recording took place. Monk agreed to it. Uh, the bassist on the date was uh, Monk's favorite at the time, one of the greatest bassists of all, bassists of all times, Oscar Pettiford. And on drums, Kenny Clark. And over two nights in July of 1955, Monk recorded a whole bunch of very familiar Duke Ellington tunes in his own way. And the album was released as Thelonious Monk plays Duke Ellington, his first for Riverside, and it was actually greeted with warmth and enthusiasm by the jazz critics who had previously dissed Thelonious and dismissed him as a non-entity. The tunes were actually heard on the radio and broadcast on, on some of the great jazz programs around North America. And the record sold. It was quite successful for a jazz record. So Keep News had hit magic with Monk. And this is the album we're going to hear. And it essentially changed Thelonious's life because all of a sudden he was, uh, his prominence uh, in, with the jazz public and his respect by the jazz public had gone up by leaps and bounds because of this album. Thelonious Monk plays Duke Ellington. That's what we're going to hear on the jazz feature. So it was all recorded, as I mentioned, over two nights, July 21st and July 27th, 1956. And we're going to begin with uh, It Don't Mean a Thing If It Ain't Got That Swing. That's the first tune that we're going to hear. Then we're going to hear Duke's beautiful ballad, number two, called Sophisticated Lady. Um, two number three is another uh, great Thelonious ballad, I Got It Bad and That Ain't Good. Then we're going to hear a blues called Black and Tan Fantasy. And then another blues-type composition entitled Mood Indigo. And then two number six is I Let a Song Go Out of My Heart. Tune number seven, another great ballad by Duke Ellington, Solitude. And the final tune was a very famous Ellington tune that mostly everybody knows, Caravan. It was written by Duke Ellington and his trombonist, Juan Teasall. And that is the eighth tune on the album. So we're going to listen to Thelonious Monk at the piano, Oscar Pettiford on bass, and Kenny Clark on drums. And this is 
Thelonious Monk plays Duke Ellington as only Thelonious Monk can. So sit back and enjoy this jazz feature.
And that was our jazz feature this evening. Thelonious Monk plays the music of Duke Ellington, his very first album for Riverside Records. And I believe I erroneously said that it was recorded in 1956. It's actually 1955. Um, July 21st and July 27th, 1955. Two evenings uh, where Monk and his hand-picked trio with Oscar Pettiford on bass and Kenny Clark on drums. And as I mentioned before, uh, his new producer, the owner of Riverside Records, the redoubtable <laughs> Oren Keepnews, um, had presented Monk with the idea of doing an album of other people's music, not his own, and uh, as a way of not compromising Monk's style or music, but simply um, presenting him in a little more accessible light with the hopes that the album will sell and get some radio play on the, uh, on the jazz stations. And um, Monk was okay with the trio idea, of course, but um, Keatnews suggested uh, other composers, such as George Gershwin or Harold Arlen, Cole Porter, etc., uh, etc., et and uh, Monk, Monk was silent on that. He didn't, he didn't say anything. So all of a sudden, the light bulb went on. Um, Keep News was no slouch when it came to intellect. And he said, Duke Ellington. And, of course, Monk lit up with a big smile and says, yeah, no problem. I'll do that. And, of course, uh, so that's how the album came about. And Monk uh, picked from the vast uh, compositional repertoire of Duke Ellington, Monk picked... Uh, these eight tunes to record. The upshot of the whole thing is that the album sold quite well for a jazz album, and Monk was finally heard on jazz radio, and the critics liked the album as well, and uh, began to treat Monk as an actual entity rather than some sort of um, marginal eccentric that they had treated him uh, previously. And um, this album kind of put uh, Monk on the map and, and literally changed his life. And, of course, it's a wonderful recording of Monk playing Ellington's music in his own way. And um, that's what really makes this one um, a classic. So we heard eight tunes. Uh, we began with uh, It Don't Mean a Thing, If It Ain't Got That Swing. Then we moved to Sophisticated Lady. And then a tune, begin, which begun as a ballad and then moved into a tempo, I Got It Bad and That Ain't Good. And then we heard a blues called Black and Tan Fantasy. And uh, then we heard another blues-type composition entitled Mood Indigo, one of Ellington's most famous compositions. And then I Let a Song Go Out of My Heart. And then the very dignified uh, ballad, Solitude, and the final tune, of course, was probably one of Ellington's best-known compositions uh, that he wrote with his uh, trombonist, Juan Tizal, and the tune, of course, is Caravan, played by everybody. So that's, uh, that's the repertoire, that's the album, and uh, it came out originally, as I mentioned before, on Riverside Records, and this was our second tribute to Thelonious Monk, and I've selected uh, four albums 
um, for the month of March for all the jazz features. Uh, albums that um, literally uh, changed the perception of Monk's music and even Monk's own personal life. So the next album that we're going to hear next week is, I think, my favorite of all Monk albums. And it was a, a wonderful date with a whole bunch of musicians, including John Coltrane and Coleman Hawkins together, uh, two great titans of the tenor saxophone, and um, Ray Copeland, trumpeter, and uh, Gigi Grice, the alto player, Art Blakey, Wilbur Ware, Thelonious, a septet recording. There was a lot of uh, uh, pushing and shoving and hassles on the recording, but they made this classic recording, and it's not without its faults, but it's absolutely inspired music. And the album is called Monk's Music, and that's what we're going to hear next week uh, on the jazz feature as our further tribute to the magic and the music of the wonderful Thelonious Monk. You are listening to The Jazz Show on CITR FM 101.9. My name's Gavin Walker. We're here every Monday night with some of the very best in jazz music, and we'll be right back in a very few moments, right after some important messages. So stay tuned. Do you like the sound of your own voice? Are you a student that has a lot to say about the University of British Columbia? If so, there is a place for you. The UBC Affairs Collective is a brand new collective at CITR 101.9 FM that brings students together to cover campus news, including research developments, arts and culture, live discussions, and lots more. The Collective produces a weekly radio show, the UBC Happy Hour, that airs every Friday from 5 to 6 p.m. You can find all the episodes podcasted online at citr.ca. Send an email to ubcaffairs at citr.ca if you'd like to get involved. No prior radio experience is necessary. Miss Beth Ditto, frontwoman of indie rock band Gossip, on March 28th at the Imperial. Ditto will be performing tracks from her debut solo album, Fake Sugar, with special guest Shun. Tickets are available now at LiveNation.com. day today, uh, one of the best days so far this year in terms of weather. Tonight is uh, just a few clouds with a low down to about six. And of course, tomorrow will be increasing cloudiness 
uh, in the morning, and then rain is going to begin um, in the afternoon. That's tomorrow, Tuesday, with a low of 6 and a high of 11. Then Wednesday is cloudy with a 60% chance of a shower with a low of 7 and a high of 9. And then Thursday, more clouds with a low of 3 and a high of 9. And then for the next three days, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, is going to be a nice mix of sun and clouds. So some pretty good weather. Um, not as warm as today, but uh, pretty nice weather for the weekend, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, uh, with lows between 3 and 4 and highs between 10 and 12. So that's the weather picture for the week. And You're listening to CITR 101.9 broadcasting from UBC's Point Grey campus, located on the traditional, unceded, Coast Salish territory of the Hunkaminam-speaking Musqueam people. Johnny Griffin, the little giant, one of the great tenor saxophonists that, uh, graced our planet. Uh, Mr. Griffin was incredible. His uh, speed on the saxophone was uh, legendary. But um, he was very capable of, of uh, playing anything on the instrument. As a matter of fact, he was a favorite of Thelonious Monks. He worked in Monks Quartet. He replaced John Coltrane when Coltrane rejoined Miles Davis, and Johnny Griffin came in uh, in Coltrane's place. And worked with Monk for uh, about a half a year and made some uh, very significant recordings, which we have played on the show. But this is one under Johnny's own name, and it's always been a favorite of mine. I've owned this album for years and years and years, and it was recorded in 1958, in February of 1958, with Kenny Drew at the piano, the late, great Kenny Drew, Wilbur Ware on bass, and, of course, my favorite drummer, Philly Joe Jones. So this hot rhythm section and Mr. Griffin are going to uh, deliver some fine music. We're going to open with a tune that was dedicated to today, <laughs> I guess. Uh, the title um, is called, the tune is called Sunny Monday, and it was written by a, a Chicago saxophonist named John Hines. Um, and so we dedicate it to the beautiful day we had today. So that's the first tune that Mr. Griffin is going to play, Sunny Monday. And we're going to follow that with a hair-raising version you won't believe the tempo on this one, of Ray Noble's Cherokee from Johnny Griffin's Riverside album called Way Out. Thank you. 
The Little Giants, Johnny Griffin, from his uh, Riverside album, classic album, called Way Out. And uh, Johnny on tenor saxophone with Kenny Drew at the piano, the wonderful Chicagoan self-taught bassist Wilbur Ware, and the great Philly Joe Jones on drums. We heard two tunes. The first tune um, had a couple of different moods, and it was called Sunny Monday, written by a Chicago saxophonist named Johnny Hines. And the second tune was a standard tune written by Ray Noble, a very famous tune. And, of course, that was Johnny's version of Cherokee. And that's a test for uh, any musician to play that tune. And uh, <laughs> Johnny proved that uh, he could play it and then some. Recorded in New York City in February of 1958. You are listening to The Jazz Show, of course, on CITR-FM 101.9 and on the web, of course, www.citr.ca. My name's Gavin Walker, and coming up next is a, a tune by McCoy Tyner. And McCoy put together um, a group for this uh, recording session. This is the title track from McCoy's album called Sama Layuka. And it features um, Azar Lawrence on soprano saxophone, Gary Bartz on alto saxophone, John Stubblefield on flute, Bobby Hutchison, the late great Bobby Hutchison on vibes, McCoy Tyner, of course, on piano, Buster Williams on bass, Billy Hart on drums, and Gilhermy Franco on percussion. And uh, this is the title track from this album, Sama Leuka, McCoy Tyner. Something a little different.
We heard a trio of tunes, compositions. First by McCoy Tyner and an ensemble from an album called Sama Leuka. And we heard that tune written by McCoy Tyner and that featured um, Azar Lawrence on soprano saxophone and augmented by Gary Bartz on alto saxophone, John Stubblefield on flute, Bobby Hutcherson on vibes, Buster Williams on bass, Billy Hart on drums, and Gilhermi Franco on percussion, Sama Layuka, and of course McCoy Tyner at the piano. Now McCoy Tyner was part of the second lengthy piece of music we played. It's the classic John Coltrane composition entitled Africa. And that was from his famous album, Africa Brass, where the Basically, his quartet, or quintet, because there are two bass players on it, Coltrane on tenor saxophone, McCoy Tyner at the piano, uh, Reggie Workman on bass, and Art Davis on bass, and Elvin Jones on drums, and then augmented by a brass section with uh, trumpet, trombone, uh, euphonium, a bunch of French horns, and um, Eric Dolphy. Uh, oh, and tuba, and of course Eric Dolphy on alto saxophone, and he wrote, um, it was like a co-composition, Coltrane set up the whole idea, and then Dolphy wrote the um, music for uh, the brass accompaniment, and uh, turned it into a, a Coltrane symphony, and of course uh, that was the title track, Africa, and then we returned to this McCoy Tyner album, a duet with McCoy on piano and Bobby Hutcherson on vibes, and that was entitled Above the Rainbow, and that was written by McCoy Tyner. So I hope you enjoyed that uh, musical interlude by two great musicians, McCoy Tyner and, of course, John Coltrane. We're going to come back and pay tribute, and we'll tell you why, in very few moments after these uh, important announcements, we'll tell you why we're going to pay tribute to Charlie Parker and play some music by him in an incredible um, matinee performance that he did back in Boston with a wonderful band that he picked. And uh, we'll get to that in a moment. But you are listening to The Jazz Show on CITR-FM 101.9 or on your computer, www.citr.ca. My name's Gavin Walker, and uh, just a couple of uh, brief mentions of uh, two websites that are always valid, always worth looking at. One of them is vancouverjazz.com. That's a, a wonderful website with all kinds of interesting links on there. You can find out what's going on in and around Vancouver, and uh, just check it out. You can spend a little time on that particular website, and it's administered by Brian Nation, vancouverjazz.com. And then, of course, the website of the Coastal Jazz and Blues Society, these wonderful people that bring you the big jazz festival every year and present concerts throughout the year. And, of course, they are the administrators of Frankie's, Jazz Club down on Beatty Street, one of the leading jazz clubs in, well, this part of the world. And uh, it's right here in Vancouver. 
And um, that's programmed by Corey Weeds, of course, who ran uh, the legendary cellar out on West Broadway for uh, uh, 13 years. And uh, he programs the music at and selects who is to play at Frankie's. And there's always a wonderful lineup of musicians that... uh, that do play there, and you can check out the website of the Coastal Jazz and Blues Society, and they give you the whole um, program as to what's happening at Frankie's, and you can book tables and make reservations and do all that kind of stuff, and also see um, what Coastal Jazz is doing as to up-and-coming concerts, and of course, this summer's jazz festival as well. There's always some preview announcements about the uh, festival. So that's a very good website, coastaljazz.ca. Vancouverjazz.com, coastaljazz.ca. And don't forget Pat's Pub, which is, of course, down on uh, Vancouver's east side in the uh, legendary Patricia Hotel. And Pat's Pub presents jazz every Saturday afternoon. Some of our finest musicians uh, play at Pat's Pub, and it's always packed out. And uh, it's free. No cover charge. Never has been, and hopefully it never will be. So you can uh, nurse a drink or have a hamburger, do whatever, uh, but you don't have to worry about a cover charge. And here's some of our finest musicians every Saturday afternoon from 3 to 7 at Pat's Pub. We'll be back with some music by Charlie Parker in a few moments, right after this. You know what's better than reading a great magazine? Reading a great magazine that also helps you fight poverty. Megaphone Magazine is sold by homeless and low-income vendors on the streets of Vancouver and Victoria. Vendors buy magazines for 75 cents and sell them for $2. It's flexible, low-barrier work for people who may not have access to traditional jobs. Download the Megaphone app to find vendors and buy the magazine even when you don't have change. Vancouver Improvised Music Meeting 2018. Experience phenomenal musicians perform magic over three nights. This year, Vancouver's finest improvisers meet Amsterdam violinist Mary Oliver, Alabama guitarist Davey Williams, and Seattle pianist and electronic musician Wayne Horvitz. Vancouver Improvised Music Meeting 2018. March 23rd at China Cloud. March 24th and 25th at the Western Front. For more information on concerts, tickets, and afternoon sessions, check out BarkingSphinx.com or VIMM2018.BrownPaperTickets.com. Charlie Parker. Now, normally we celebrate birthdays and or a birthday anniversary of famous musicians, because so many jazz musicians, some gr- the great uh, movers and shakers of jazz music have uh, have passed on, and of course we have their recorded legacies, and uh, we like to honor birthdays as often as possible. But in the case of Charlie Parker, March the 12th was a fateful day. That was the day he died in 1955, 
34 years old. Charlie Parker had um, was on his way to um, Boston to play a gig, and he had a whole bunch of stuff lined up uh, in March of 1955. Um, his health, of course, was, uh, well, for the last year of his life, was always a little shaky for a variety of reasons, which, of course, uh, most of us know. And uh, so while he was... Um, he had a, a, some hours to go before he hopped on the train to, uh, to Boston. And uh, he stopped off at um, the Stanhope Hotel, which uh, Baroness Nika Rothschild was staying. And she was a friend to uh, Thelonious Monk and, and um, literally hundreds of, uh, of musicians. And they were always welcome at, uh, at her house, at her uh, studio, her suite, and Charlie Parker decided to stop by there for a little while, and uh, the Baroness noticed that he he didn't look very well. He seemed very happy, and um, uh, but she ordered, um, she called a doctor to uh, to come and uh, and visit Charlie while he was there because she was worried about him. The doctor showed up and uh, suggested that uh, Charlie Parker go to a hospital right away, cancel the gig, and uh, and put himself and get himself checked out at uh, at a hospital. And Charlie Parker said, "No, I'm feeling better. Uh, I'm okay. Uh, don't worry about me." And sent the doctor off. And, uh, of course, proceeded to watch his favorite TV show and have some good takeout food and, uh, and just relax for a few hours before he uh, boarded the train for Boston. And the Baroness went out to uh, get some goodies or whatever, came back, and Charlie Parker was dead. And that shook the jazz world. And March 12th, 1955 was a huge blow to the world of jazz. And for someone who was a, a musical genius and changed the music so much and lived a very short life, it was so very tragic. And that's why we're going to play this music for Charlie Parker, to not celebrate his birthday, but to commemorate his passing and realize what we have lost. This is a wonderful session. There's all kinds of wonderful Charlie Parker records, of course, but this one is really hits home. He was having a really good um, afternoon. This was recorded in Boston in 1952, just before Christmas, December 14th, 1952, uh, at the Hi-Hat. This was the end of a two-week engagement that he had at that particular club, which he liked very much. He liked the audiences in Boston, and they were going to broadcast um, a matinee show um, on Sunday afternoon, and they did. And Charlie Parker had assembled a wonderful band, a local trumpet player by the name of Joe Gordon, 
who went on to play with uh, Dizzy Gillespie and then ended up on the West Coast playing with Shelly Mann and all kinds of great musicians. Joe Gordon, wonderful trumpet player, and he sounds great on, on here, and he and Charlie Parker blend so beautifully. On piano is another legendary musician that was lost to drugs at a very young age, um, was pianist Dick Twardzik. And Dick Twardzik is on here. He was picked by Charlie Parker, and uh, everybody was, uh, Dick uh, had the potential to become one of the most original, wonderful pianists ever. Uh, he was classically trained. Uh, he was just completely dedicated musician, very original stylist, and um, unfortunately was a victim of drugs and died over in Europe when, when Dick was on tour with Chet Baker. And uh, that was a very, very sad passing. But he, here he was alive and well and plays beautifully with Charlie Parker. And there were two musicians that Charlie brought from New York City. Charles Mingus is on bass, and the great Roy Haynes on drums. And Roy Haynes is the surviving member of this uh, group. He is still with us. And, of course, he was originally from Boston as well. But by that time, by the time that this was recorded, Roy Haynes was one of the premier drummers uh, in jazz um, in New York City and living there at the time. So this is a broadcast. The voice you're, you'll hear um, introducing some of the tunes is the legendary Symphony Sid. You'll hear his plummy tones. And uh, it's rather funny because um, uh, he does, uh, later on in the set, he introduces Dick uh, Twardzik, the piano player, and kind of, he kind of fumbles Dick's name. Uh, it's pretty easy, Charlie Parker or Joe Gordon, uh, blah, blah, blah. But uh, getting uh, Dick Twardzik, rather strange uh, an odd name, and um, Symphony Sid kind of stumbles over it for a minute. So it's kind of a funny little moment. Anyway, this is a wonderful set. Charlie Parker is in rare form on here. Um, I just I listened to this at home a couple of days ago, and I was totally blown away. Uh, um, I'm very familiar with Charlie Parker's music, but this some of what he plays on here is absolutely mind blowing and inc incredible. So this is a great set, and it's quite well recorded too for the time. So we have Charlie Parker on alto saxophone, Joe Gordon on trumpet, Dick Twardzik on piano, Charles Mingus on bass, and Roy Haynes on drums. And uh, the tunes are all pretty self-evident because uh, Symphony Sid interjects and announces most of them. So we'll just go into the set right now and in the introduction by the redoubtable Symphony Sid. Thank you very much, Ken. And of course, our feature attraction here at the Hi-Hat presents to you one of the great gentlemen of jazz, the gentleman that I know you enjoy, the guy that we've been talking about for a long, long time. So how about give him a great big hand, ladies and gentlemen, Charlie Parker. Charlie Parker and his wonderful, wonderful organization. Bert, it's awfully nice having you here in Boston. It's really a drag that you have to leave tonight. We'd love to have you here for a long, long time and hope that you come back real soon. I hope so too, Sid. This week has been genuinely my pleasure. Ah, you're a living doll. Bird, ladies and gentlemen, one of the great gentlemen of jazz, 
We hope you enjoy it. What do you think we ought to start off with? I think ornithology would be a good opener. That's right. That's a little thing written by a very good friend of ours. It was uh, little Benny, Benny Harris. Harris. That's right. Benny Harris, another great gentleman of jazz whom I saw last here in Boston. Here it is, ladies and gentlemen, ornithology. <laughs>
Charlie Parker does one of his very famous records, one I know you'll enjoy, Cool Blues.
here's one of the very famous things that uh, when uh, in 1945 we got a, we got buried and dizzy and Max and some of the other guys together we did a thing called Grooving High.
Boston Zone and one of the great drummers of all time. How about a great big hand for Roy Haynes, ladies and gentlemen. From California, a great gentleman of bass, Charlie Mingus, ladies and gentlemen. Another, another one of Boston's favorites at the piano, Dick Twan... Twanthi. All week long, I remember, now I forgot. Well, what can you do? It's our early morning. On trumpet, also from Boston, wonderful gentleman, Joe Gordon, ladies and gentlemen. You can tell that this gentleman comes from Boston, a well-liked young gentleman, and of course, the great Charlie Parker, ladies and gentlemen. Here's one of the beautiful, relaxed things that everybody enjoys. Don't blame me.
What do you think we ought to do now? Here's another one of the very famous dial signs that Bird made, Scrapple from the Apple.
We've got time for one more big fat one, then our theme. Here's one that was made on Savoy. And this one is Chero.
An honor and a pleasure, ladies and gentlemen, to have Charlie Parker play our theme. Gentlemen with Tiffany Sid, and that just about winds it up for this afternoon. We hope you've had a ball. Don't forget, Bird will be here all of this afternoon and all of tonight. We hope that you can make it. Once again, ladies and gentlemen, how about a great big hand for a wonderful guy, a great group, Charlie Parker. Everybody. <laughs> There it is once again, ladies and gentlemen, another Sunday afternoon edition of the Symphony Sid Show, brought to you every Sunday. Our tribute to Charlie Parker, who passed away March the 12th, today, in 1955, and was one of the great, great losses of jazz music. Charlie Parker was born August 29th, 1920, in Kansas City, Missouri, and died in New York City, as I mentioned, March the 12th, 1955. He was 34 years old, and he changed jazz music, and of course, he is still listened to, he's still an influence today over anybody that uh, professes to play jazz music. And we heard a wonderful set that was recorded. Uh, it was a matinee performance. One of his favorite clubs was uh, the Hi-Hat in, uh, in Boston. And this was recorded just before Christmas um, in 1952, December 14th. And Charlie was, of course, in wonderful form and wonderful shape um, on this particular recording. And for the time, uh, the recording quality was pretty good. Um, a lot better than a lot of uh, um, these uh, live recordings that have been uh, reissued or issued over the years. And a wonderful band. Two um, musicians from the Boston area. Joe Gordon on trumpet, who went on to great things, played with Dizzy Gillespie's big band, and then moved to the West Coast, played with Shelley Mann and Thelonious Monk and Harold Land and so many musicians. Great, great trumpet player. Came to Vancouver once, too, um, in the early 60s and played at the original Cellar. And that was, that was an amazing show, the great Joe Gordon on trumpet. And on piano was the legendary, and he died so young. He was only 24 when he died, and he was a victim of drugs, sad to say. Dick Twardzik on piano, Richard Twardzik. And um, he proved to be one of the most uh, original and interesting piano players of his generation, and who knows uh, what he would have done had he lived more than 24 years. Dick Twardzik on piano, and on bass, Charles Mingus. Yes, the Charles Mingus. And on drums, he's still alive, and it's his birthday tomorrow, March the 13th. He'll be 93, and he's still playing, and still as funny and as feisty and as energetic as ever, the wonderful Roy Haynes on drums, Mr. Snap Crackle. So he was the drummer on that. What a band. Joe Gordon on trumpet, Dick Twardzik on piano, Charles Mingus on bass, and Roy Haynes on drums, and, of course, Charlie Parker on alto saxophone. Uh, the announcements were by the venerable um, DJ, who was a really close, really good friend of modern jazz and made sure that it got on the radio, on broadcasts, and um, really, really did a lot of good in his day. Symphony Sid Torin 
and his plummy tones were heard announcing the tune and actually talking to exchanging a few words with uh, Charlie Parker as well. So we opened the set with uh, uh, Symphony Sid's introduction, and then we went into uh, Charlie Parker and Benny Harris's famous tune, Ornithology. Then a Charlie Parker original called Cool Blues, and then a Charlie Parker Dizzy Gillespie uh, original, Groovin' High. And then a gorgeous ballad, the longest uh, track, Don't Blame Me, written by Dorothy Fields and Jimmy McHugh. And then uh, another Charlie Parker original, Scrapple from the Apple. And another one following that, Cheryl. And then finally, Jumpin' with Symphony Sid, which of course was uh, Sid's theme song. That was written by Lester Young. So this was whole set recorded in Boston, December 14th, 1952. Our tribute to the great Charlie Parker, and he was in rare form on uh, on this uh, date. You are listening to The Jazz Show on CITR FM 101.9 or on the web. My name's Gavin Walker. We haven't finished with the saxophone yet, but we're going to go to Canada. Yes, and this is a wonderful album by French-Canadian saxophonist Remy Bolduc who not only is um, an amazing alto saxophonist, but a wonderful composer and arranger. And Remy put together a saxophone summit for this album. It's called uh, Sax Zenith. And it was recorded at the Yardbird Suite in Edmonton. And it featured a whole bevy of uh, wonderful, uh, really the cream of the crop of Canadian um, saxophonists including um, P.J. Perry, uh, Phil Dwyer, Kirk McDonald, and Kelly Jefferson. All of these guys uh, are in the saxophone section, There's, and Remy Bolduc, of course. Um, Phil Dwyer, Kirk McDonald, and Kelly Jefferson are all playing tenor saxophone. P.J. Perry, of course, is playing alto saxophone. There's no piano in this uh, ensemble. Fraser Hollins from Montreal is the bassist, and Dave Lang on drums. And we're going to hear a piece of music, the title track, as a matter of fact, called Sax Zenith, and it's composed by Remy Bolduc. We're going to hear... Uh, Kirk McDonald's solo on this one. He takes the first solo. Uh, Phil Dwyer follows Kirk. And then Remy Bolduc is the third soloist on alto saxophone. So this is from uh, Remy's most recent album. And it's called Sax Zenith, live at the Yardbird Suite.
That was recorded at the Yardbird Suite in Edmonton. We'll hear more from this album. It's great. There's all kinds of uh, wonderful tunes all put together by um, Rene Bolduc, who did all the writing and arranging um, and, of course, played the alto saxophone. We heard the title track, which is called Sax Zenith, and that featured um, solos by the great Kirk McDonald, um, opening the soloist right in the playing the bottom of, of his uh, tenor so beautifully, uh, Kirk McDonald, and he was followed by Phil Dwyer uh, on tenor saxophone, and the third soloist was uh, Remy Bolduc himself, and the other people in the band. We'll hear more tracks um, on another show, but uh, we have to hear some solos by Kelly Jefferson, and of course my buddy P.J. Perry as well, who's featured on uh, several tunes. So we'll uh, play more of this album next week. But that was the title track. As I mentioned before, um, the rhythm section, Fraser Hollins on bass and Dave Lang on drums. And, of course, the uh, ensemble augmented by um, non-soloists on this piece were uh, uh, P.J. Perry and Kelly Jefferson. Sax Zenith, and that album is brand new and available. And uh, it's the Remy Bolduc Jazz Ensemble. And it's available if you go to uh, www.remybolduc, which of course is R-E-M-I-B-O-L-D-U-C.com, remybolduc.com. And you can find out how to uh, get a hold of this uh, wonderful album. It really is the cream of the crop of uh, Canadian saxophonists. Here is Oscar Peterson, recorded at Carnegie Hall way back in 1952 with Ray Brown on bass and Barney Kessel on drums. And this is the Sea Jam Blues. Thank you. 
Yeah, well, no wonder Oscar Peterson, he was just at the beginning of his career then, and people were just getting to know him, and of course, he he just tore everything up. Oscar Peterson at the piano, Ray Brown on bass, and Barney Kessel on guitar. That was recorded at Carnegie Hall, New York, September 13th, 1952. That's a few years ago, isn't it? Yeah, 65 years ago. <laughs> Amazing. The great Canadian pianist, Oscar Peterson. We're going to close with um, a tune written by Ron Carter, a wonderful bassist who performed here last summer at the Jazz Festival. Ron Carter on bass and Jimmy Cobb on drums, Wayne Shorter on tenor saxophone, 
and the leader of this ensemble, Bobby Timmons at the piano. This is from a wonderful, lesser-known prestige album. Um, it's I've always loved this recording. It's called The Soul Man, and it came out on Prestige Records and uh, led by pianist Bobby Timmons. So this is Ron Carter's tune. It's called Einbahnstrasse, which, of course, in German is one-way street. Bobby Timmons, Wayne Shorter, Ron Carter, Jimmy Cobb.
Bongstrasse, One Way Street, written by Ron Carter. And, of course, that was Bobby Timmons at the piano. He was the leader with Wayne Shorter on tenor saxophone, Ron Carter, of course, on bass, and Jimmy Cobb on drums. And that's from Bobby Timmons' prestige album called The Soul Man. So we'd like to thank you very much for being out there this evening, and I hope that you enjoyed the jazz show. We'll be back next Monday night, starting at 9 o'clock. And, of course, the jazz feature next week is a continuation of our month-long tribute to 
pianist, composer, jazz icon, Thelonious Monk. And we'll be featuring his wonderful album with his septet uh, next week with John Coltrane and various other people in the band. And it's called Monk's Music. And we'll be doing that next week on The Jazz Show. So thank you very much on behalf of yours truly, Gavin Walker, and radio station CITR FM 101.9 or on your computer, www.citr.ca. And we'll see you next Monday. Take care. Bye for now.